Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap. We are back, KFGO.com. My name is Ryan Janke alongside Corey Litton. That's me. Hey, that is you. We've got another jam-packed episode of the podcast this week. Going to have some uh, results from, from from some ice racing around the region. We're going to have uh, an interview with Nick Skalicki today. Uh, talk about uh, the movie that uh, we've been we've we, been teasing for. This is going to be close to about seven months now that we've been teasing this thing. We, we have been, <laughs> and I forgot to bring it along today to give back to you. By the way, uh, I know I that breaks I your wait, heart. I got to wait another week to get that back. <laughs> uh, some uh, uh, schedule release at at a uh, local track, and uh, talk about what's coming up. So we might as well just get right after it. I think might as well jump. Okay, let's do it. We started out with Cameron Lake Ice Racing out in Erskine, Minnesota. They raced last Saturday, January 28th. Uh, the points after the three weeks of racing they've had so far, Ryan Scow in the 28S is the point leader with 324 points. Uh, he's been he's been dominating pretty much all season. Uh, and second is Tim Kujua in the five car who has 316 points. In third, it's a 22S of Tyler Scow, your defending track champion in the full-size class. He has... Uh, 278 points, and in fourth, it's Doug Hagen in the 14 car, 268 points. In fifth, it's the 11V of Jimmy Venom with 260 points. In the Baja cars, in first, they have the 87 of Hunter Cardinal and 71 of Noah Glad, still tied for the point lead at 200 points apiece. Um, 92 of Mason Sheelan has 198 points. In the third spot, WD40, Max Anderson, he has uh, 168 and in fifth, it is Blake DeHate uh, in the 18 with 96 points. They'll be back at it this Saturday. They're going to have a little bit later start time as they're allowing for uh, for a funeral. So they're not they're trying not to interfere with, with the oh, funeral. So sure, there's a, there's sure. a funeral there in Erskine. So they're going to start at one o'clock on Saturday. Okay. What about uh, locals racing national? I know we got some of that going on as well. Well, this last weekend rounded up the Ernie uh, Mincy Early Thought Central Arizona Raceway in Casa Grande, Arizona. The first day of that event was Thursday, January 26th. The stock cars, Cleveland's Jordan Zilmer took the win with Dents Ryan Satter finishing in second and Sykeston's Trent Greger finishing in the fourth spot. That actually, I believe, might have been the worst finish Trent Greger had for this entire uh, event. So uh, he, he, he found the, his way around that track pretty well. Uh, in the limited modifieds, it was Miller's Lane Johnson, who was the winner. Marion's The Nightmare Lucas Rodine finished in second. St. Joseph's Jake Smith finished in the third spot. And it was Carrington's Preston Carr finishing in fourth. Watertown's Terry Riley finishing in sixth. Langdon's Lance Schill finishing in seventh. Savage's Dan Wheeler finishing in eighth. Madison's Scott Tofty finishing in ninth. Yeah, Grand Forks, uh, Jory Berg finishing in 10th, Jory Exotic. I'm wearing a shirt today in studio, if you guys can see. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. Got Jory, <laughs> a little uh, tiger next to him there. It's perfect. Yeah. It was one of those things where it made perfect sense when he came out with those. I'm like, I got to have that one. That's, uh, that's a pretty <laughs> awesome shirt. That's something years from now I'm going to laugh at still. It, yep. <laughs> uh, Phillips Parker Anderson finished in 12th to round out the uh, local drivers racing the limited modifieds down there. Uh, in the Modifieds, Chaz Baca took the win uh, with uh, Minot Spencer Wilson passing 23 cars to finish in third spot. Mandan Sean Strand passed 18 cars to finish in fourth. They're pretty good friends, and uh, <laughs> they tend to park by each other, and obvious it looks like that because they both 
passed a ton of cars on their way towards the front. Uh, Devils Lake's Jess Brecky finished in the eighth spot. Fargo, by the way, of Pahrump, Nevada. Uh, Colin Hibden finished in 24th. Uh, then Rice's Shane Sabraski finished in 26th. That's not bad considering I forgot to put Colin's name in there, but I, I could figure <laughs> out who it was just by what I let up. <laughs> Late models, Headingley, Manitoba's Ricky Weiss was the winner with Ham Lake's Don Shaw finishing in second. Uh, Bram's Josh Zimple finished in the third spot. Then it was Holly's Cole Shield finishing in fifth. Grand Forks' Ryan Corbett passed 10 cars to finish in the sixth spot. Then it was Veblen's Denver Nixon finishing in the sixth or seventh spot. Excuse me. East Bethel's Larry Fitzsimmons passed 10 cars himself to finish in 11th. Uh, Kindred's Dustin Bloom finished in 12th. Harwood's Mike Gresseth finished in 13th. Bemidji's Matt Sparby finished in 16th. Jamestown's Ben Mickelson finished in 17th. Watertown's Ryan Engels finished in 18th. And Watertown's Scott Ward, the Wild Child, finished in 22nd. East Bethel's Dave Moss finished in 24th, and Portland's Jason Strand finished in 25th, and that wraps up Thursday. Yep, then we move on to Friday, January 27th in the stock cars. Jerry Flippo was the winner with Trent Gregor passing 11 cars to finish in the second spot. Ryan Satter finished third, and Jordan Zilmer finished seventh in the late models. Lucas Rodin passed 11 cars and took the win with Terry Riley passing 12 cars to finish in the third spot. He should have started up a little farther. Right. Yep. <laughs> Johnson, uh, Elaine Johnson finished fourth. Jory Exotic Berg finished fifth. Parker Anderson sixth. Jamestown's Kenny Watson passed 10 cars to finish in the 11th spot. Dan Wheeler finished 13th. Scott Tofty 14th. Lance Schill was in the 17th spot. Jake Smith 19th. And then Preston Carr finished in 21st. In the Modifieds, Tim Ward got the win with Colin Hibden finishing second. Sean Strand came in third. Spencer Wilson passed 17 cars to finish in the seventh spot. St. Cloud's Devin Fouquet finished 10th. Shane Sabraski finished 11th. Jess Brecky was in the 17th spot and Scott Ward in 20th. In the late models, it was Ricky Weiss who got the victory with Josh Zimple finishing third, Jason Strand finishing fourth, Lance Schill in the sixth spot, Don Shaw passed 17 cars to finish in ninth, Ryan Corbett was 10th, Cole Schill passed nine cars, he finished 13th, Ryan Engels finished 17th, Matt Sparby was 19th, Mike Gresseth was 21st, Dustin Bloom 22nd, Ben Mickelson 23rd, and Scott Ward finished in the 24th spot. So in two days, that means Spencer Wilson ended up passing 40 cars. Passed a lot. <laughs> That's a, a, a boatload. Video game numbers there. <laughs> uh, Saturday, January 28th, stock cars Jordan, Jordan uh, Tochi was the winner but was disqualified after post-race inspection. That handed the win over to Jordan Zilmer. Ryan Satter, you know, we, we talked uh, when he does good in the heat, he stinks in the feature. When he stinks in the heat, he does good in the yep. feature. He passed 12 cars to finish second. Uh, <laughs> I had that written wrong on my notes. Think, thankfully, I, I remembered right there. But he finished second. Trent Gregor went from second to the back of the pack after uh, blowing it off at the top of the racetrack. There's no walls around uh, the Central Arizona Raceway. So he blew it off of the racetrack, had to go all the way to the back of the pack, and he rebounded by getting up to third to round off that whole event. Ooh. So speaking of passing cars right there. In the limited modifieds, reigning Wissota Midwest Modified National Champion Jake Smith got the win. Lane Johnson finished in the second spot. The Nightmare Lucas Rodin finished in third. Lance Schill in fourth. Terry Riley fifth. Jake Molitor in uh, sixth. He was driving uh, his father-in-law Scott Toffey's race car. 
Uh, then Dan Wheeler finished in seventh. Kenny Watson finished 14th. Jory Exotic Berg in 16th. Parker Anderson 21st. And Preston Carr in 22nd. In the Modifieds, Chaz Baca took another win out there with Colin Hibden finishing in second. Shane Sabraski finished in third. Uh, Devin Fouquet finished in eighth. Sean Strand 12th. Alan Bowman in 24th. And Scott Ward, the wild child, in 26th. Uh, then it was Rob Maya, who was the winner in the late model event, or uh, Cole Schill, who finished in second. Cole had some tough luck throughout the week, so it was nice to see him finishing on a, on a good note there in that second spot. Uh, Dave Moss finished in a third. Josh Zimple in fourth. Ryan Corbett finished fifth. Ricky Weiss in sixth. Ryan Ingalls in 11th. Larry Fitzsimmons in 14th. Lance Schill in 16th. Scott Ward in 17th. Jason Strand 18th. Ben Mickelson 19th. Mike Gresseth 23rd. And Denver Nickerson in 24th. All right, and that wraps up the Ernie Mincy Early Thaw Central Arizona Raceway race at Casa Grande. Yep. All right. Uh, then we moved on to the East Bay Winter Nationals in Tampa, Florida. Uh, that was Tuesday, January 31st until Wednesday, February the 1st. Uh, Cameron, Wisconsin's Buzzy Adams made his annual trip down to the Clay by the Bay for the UMP modified portion of the East Bay Winter Nationals. Adams has had two good showings so far with a second on Tuesday opening night. On Wednesday, he finished one spot out of making the A main in his heat, which put him in the B main that he promptly won. Adams started 17th in the main, and in one lap, he was up to 6th. That means he passed 11 cars. Yeah. In one lap. seems to be a theme here today, (laughs) 11 cars. I like seeing somebody charge up uh, towards the front. And and East Bay is a track where one of my favorite races happened, where that that exactly happened out there. I'll talk more about that later. Okay, sounds good. So Adam started 17th uh, in the main. In one lap, he he passed 11 cars. He was up to 6th. In four laps, he was up to 4th. And on lap 9, he took the lead. Travis... Varnador was able to get the lead back from Adams on lap 11 and held on for the win with Adams finishing in the second spot. Still a good run, I would say. Yeah, uh, you can't be mad at that one. No, no, not at all. The modified portion of the Winter Nationals continues tonight. That would be February the 2nd as we record this uh, and runs tomorrow the 3rd and then finishes up on Saturday. Yeah, so East Bay Raceway Park is one of my favorite racetracks in the country. It is my favorite racetrack, and unfortunately, it's going to be closing soon So uh, because of it's been bought out by a, a company that's going to turn it basically into a dump, mm-hmm. um, which is unfortunate because it is one of the greatest race. It is the greatest race facility I've gone to in my life. Um, the uniqueness of the place is, is so cool because it um, literally is so close it's just outside of Tampa to the south, and it's so close to the Gulf. You can see the ocean liners take off when they're when oh, they're getting yeah. sent out, and also the tides affect the moisture and the consistency of the racetrack. So yep. they play a big factor in how how that track races throughout the night. Yeah, you were you know, talking about that last week, I think. And it was one of those things where I don't I didn't see the move the Buzzy made to get that spot, but I assume everybody was kind of kind of locked down on the bottom, and he just decided here I go. He just went to the outside. <laughs> And uh, pulled the old hail melon without hitting the wall. Hey, speaking of well, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get, get to, to that. Yeah. You finish up what you're what you're saying. Yeah. Um. So I, I've seen uh, one of my favorite races there, and this is one of the top races I ever saw in my life. Was uh, a guy named Mike Van Gendren won uh, the the big finale out there, 
uh, racing in a IMCA, basically an IMCA car with a little bit different body rules to it. So he had like a crate motor, one of those you know cheaper made sealed engines that you can't really tinker around with or anything. And he's mm-hmm. racing against guys that, uh, and he's racing against a lot of guys that were like David Rudiman's in there, Kenny Wallace, Kenny Schrader, NASCAR guys that uh, have tons of money in their motors. You know, they have, they have basically cut motors in their cars. And he's out there in this little, you know, people call it a piece of junk motor that was about a tenth of the <laughs> the amount of money <laughs> put into it. And he wheels from, he got sixth place in his heat race. I went and found the results for this. This is several years ago. This was on, uh, uh, it was, it was uh, the 30th of January in 2016. Um, he finished, in his heat race, he finished sixth. Was two spots out of transferring to the A main. In the, the B main on the last lap, he made a pass, or last couple of laps, he made passes to get up in to win that one. He ended up starting um, 22nd and he won it. He just kept motoring by everybody that was, that had these big motors in there. This underpowered uh, motor is out there just wheeling around everybody. <laughs> and he goes and wins that one. And it was one of the more, more incredible races I've seen. And the funny thing was all these people that had tons of money in their motors just looked terrible compared to this thing. It just was pulling away from them. It was it's one of those one of those underdog stories that's just great. That's, <laughs> that's cool. Uh, and it, like I said, unfortunately they're going to be they're going to be bulldozing the place down here within a couple of years. Uh, that's too bad. All right, we have Nick Skalicki on the line. Nick is a former Outlaw Street Stock racer that was in the 90s, and he is the promoter of both the Red River Valley Speedway and the Red River Kart Club. Nick, welcome to Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap. Yeah, thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? We're doing pretty good, thank you. Um, so, Nick, uh, this season is, I think, what, the eighth year now, or eighth, seventh or eighth year since uh, reopening out at the Red River Valley Speedway. Um just kind of talk us through a little bit, you know, it's it's been going good for the entire time. I mean, what's it taken, what has it taken to, to get this to work? Oh, it's, uh, it's a lot of work and, and, uh, and it doesn't get easier. You think it, you would think it gets easier, but I, I think it gets harder. Uh, you're always, you're always trying to improve on everything you're doing, uh, from year to year, week to week. You're just, you're always tweaking on things. And I think it, you know, sometimes it mentally drains you in a sense because you're always, always trying to improve it. Uh, scheduling big races is not as simple as just calling somebody. It's a lot of logistics. You know, it's got to work more for them than it does you. Uh, you don't always get what you want, but you gotta you gotta take it when you can get it. So, uh, uh, just starting up this year, you know, we, I guess we can look forward at the uh, at the schedule. What uh, I know you're not totally completely finished on it yet, but how about we just go step by step through what we got going so far this year? How, how when does the season start? Well, you know, we're gonna we want to start testing and tuning towards the end of April if we can. You know, weather weather dictates all, all of that. Uh, season opener, we're shooting for May fifth. I don't. I think last year we started towards the end of May, so we just kind of roll with you know whatever Mother Nature gives us. So. You know, we kind of really get ramped up around that 26th is, you know, a realistic time, you know, weather permitting. But if May 5th allows, we're going to go. So I start kind of planning our themes and stuff more the first week in June because I know the weather should be better by then. 
So then everything makes more sense. So like our June 2nd is kind of one of our first nights. It'll be a first responder night with, with fireworks. That's always Dino from star. He does a whale of a job on that. So we keep, we're going to keep doing that with him. Uh, June 9th, we're going to do the bison battle again. It sounds like, uh, June 16th, we're doing the kingpin clash with the stock cars. Uh, they put on a, you know, a whale of a show the last couple of years with that. And then another race I'm excited for is the 23rd, where the Minnesota Sprint Series is coming back. That's the Race Saver program. They were here two years ago, and that was that was when we only had four cars, and I think we were close to 16 as a group. So now we should have a 24 car field, which that'd be that'd be pretty cool to see that when those guys come. Yeah, and then uh, huh? yeah, going back to that, uh, that, we just started that class what two three years ago. And two it's, years ago, yeah, it's yeah, just exploded. Four, now, yeah, we're about 10, 10 to twelve. Uh, I got a couple of travelers that come. I think we lost one guy this year. He's going back to something else. Uh, but I think I'm picking up a couple more. So I think we'll be about where we were last year. Which you know, it is. I'm pretty. I'm pretty happy going from four to. 10, you know, 10 to 11 in one year or in two years. That's pretty good. And, and that's kind of like when, uh, when you started the, the stock car, uh, class out there, we started with four and it yeah. just, it just exploded. And, you know, we're, we're at the point where now we almost have to do B mains to get a full field. Now, uh, we have to almost whittle them down. So, I mean, do you, were you thinking that this was going to be a possibility when you started up that 305 race saver sprint class that we could be, it could progress the same way as the stock cars did uh not right away it scared the death out of me because it was kind of my kind of my brainchild so jake kind of kept looking at me wondering if this was gonna flip you know and i'm like you know but i I think when you start a new class every people want to see the product and same thing with the stock cars really you know guys knew about them or guys raced wisota at the time and then they did the conversion but now that they're in it they love it and i think the sprint car is a good fit i i I hate using the word affordable but they are affordable in a sense you know compared to the 410 or 360 car but everything is the same other than the motor but you know speed wise and watching them race to me i don't i don't see a lot of difference and jared runs the scoreboard and he's telling me lap times and they're not much slower than the 360 to the 410s. And that's kind of a way to boost up, uh, starting this class kind of a way to, you know, stepping stone to get kids into uh, a wing sprint car class and kind of leading them up to like the Nosa sprint cars around the area or maybe even World of Outlaws, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a feeder program. It's same, you know, with the Legends, you know, I get a lot of, a lot of go-kart kids that will go into that you know, versus a bigger car. And then if, uh, you know, after a few years, if they're going to make the transition, then they're, then they're ready then. Okay. So from the, the Minnesota sprint car series coming into town, uh, what, what do we have uh, coming up after that? So then we're going to throw a corker in there on Wednesday, June 28th, rolled all, all late models are coming back and the support class will be sport mods. And we're going to do that 40 lap, uh, Sanders, uh, sport mod race that'll be on that Wednesday night also so it'll just be them two classes so you know in theory it should be a lot of you know we don't get a lot of yellows it should be a 
pretty quick night, and that's what our kind of our goal is, being on a Wednesday there. So then we're off until July 21st with the uh, fair coming. So then on July 21st, we're going to kick that off as a fan appreciation night where that'll be, I think it's a $5 adult ticket. I think kids are free or something pretty close to that. Then on the 28th, when we come back again, we'll do the Sanders stock car challenge, which that's always been a a whale of a race the last couple of years. And then also that's going to be a hall of fame night, which I think that'll be the third year. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. And then, uh, I think we're doing that food truck deal again. I haven't got confirmation from that guy. If he was doing it, I think that worked pretty good last year. It was kind of new to the fans, but it seemed like a lot of people, you know, ate with, with the different vendors out there before the races and then come in. Yeah. I gained three pounds. Yeah. (laughs) Then the other cool thing now, so now to throw another cork in there, we're going to do a Thursday-Friday race, which I don't know if we've ever done one, and you can correct me if we have. I don't remember doing one, but... Well, my memory's worse than yours, so it's... Yeah, I'll go with you. So we're going to do the uh, Howie Shill Memorial Race. It's going to be a two-day race, uh, Thursday the 17th and Friday the 18th. Okay. So, and then... Uh, August 26th and the World Outlaw Sprint Cars are coming back and then the Race Saver Sprints will be the support class this year unlike previous years where the late models have been the support class. Interesting. And, and you know, that makes a lot of sense too because I think, you know, a lot of those 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 people want to race on that night too and you got some kids in that class that would like to show off right in front of the the big audience. Yeah, and it and it and it's actually going to help them guys more because you get we had a few last year that ran with the World Outlaws, and of course they can't compete with them, but they tried it anyway. Now they can just run in their own class, you know, and it'll be, it'll give them, yeah, it'll give them an opportunity. So we're going to promote that with Scott from SLS. I think we'll get some guys that'll come up from down south. It sounds like he wants to increase the purse to get them to come. So that we'll get close, when we get closer to that, we'll have all the logistics on that. So then September 1st, we'll do the season championship. And then we're going to do the big iron race again. But this year coming up, it'll be on a Tuesday instead of that Wednesday that we did last year. And then I think they're doing a tractor pull on Wednesday or something, they're thinking. Okay. And that'll wrap up year number eight. (laughs) Yeah, year number eight. And, you know, you came from uh, from very humble beginnings as a promoter where you started in the, the Red River Kart Club. Uh, Nick Skalicki is our guest here, uh, promoter both Red River Valley Speedway and Red River Kart Club. Um, it, the track sat dormant for a couple of years while the Red River Kart Club was starting to pull in a ton of big numbers. Um, did you think uh, going in there, what was the thought process of going, okay, we're doing good here. Why don't we try it bigger? Why don't we go with the Red River Valley Speedway? Where did it Where did it kind of start with that? Well, it uh, to be honest with you, it, it just drove me nuts. You know, sitting at the go kart track, and all you got to do is look look over <laughs> look over to the east a little bit, and you can see you know you see the lights from from the go kart track, and it's like I just I gotta I gotta figure out a plan how to do this. But number one, I knew it was going to take a lot of money to start it. You know. And there's not a bank in in the country that's going to give you money to start up a racetrack, you know? So, uh, I knew Jake, you know, not on the level, on the friend level. I know him now, him and Charnell, but 
you know, he ran Norman Coney probably for five, six years up there or on Ada before even thinking about Fargo. So I knew he was the first guy to approach on it. And the first thing he told me, I was nuts, you know, <laughs> he's like, we're not doing that. So then, but it went, uh, probably went a couple of weeks and, uh, and then he, uh, he's like, yeah, he said, let's meet about that deal. And I kind of thought he was just joking, you know, so. So we met, and I think in them two weeks, he kind of laid out a game plan because when we met, I mean, he had, you know, he had things figured out, and and he was pretty much dead on. It was going to be a tough road for two, three years, which, as a, like you said, coming from a successful go-kart program, I'm like, ah, this will, we'll kick the doors down right away, and we, and we didn't, you know, to be bluntly honest. I mean, it, we're still getting new fans in year eight, which is bizarre to me with what we're doing, but you got to give them a product that they want to keep coming back to watch, you know? Right. And that's what we, that's what we really strive for week in and week out, you know, and that's how we run things the way we do, you know, but it, it boils down to us giving the racers a good track to race on and then them putting on the good show. And then week in and week out, you, you see some whale of races out there. So, so I, I did a thing the other day where I I, I went and looked uh, and this is at, at the end of the towards the end of the last season or last season uh, I checked out and went through the three tracks from this area the Red River Valley Speedway Norman County Raceway and the and Buffalo River Speedway and I made a list of all the people that I knew that raced at the Red River Kart Club that are racing on the level at these three tracks um, and it was right around thirty people that have had some kind of racing experience at the Red River Kart Club. Um, so obviously it's very important that we have uh, uh, the kart club and seeing these kids graduate up uh, to racing big cars. But throughout that, I mean, 30 people doing that, but how many people would you say have probably raced there in the, was it got, it got to be about 10, 15 or 10, 11 years now that the kart club has been open, right? Uh, I think we're going on 12 or 13 now. Wow, there have been people that have actually had full careers and retired since <laughs> the, <laughs> on the on the big tracks. Um, the that makes me feel great. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, did you know how? Did you know that it was going to have you're going to have this many people jumping up and racing at the big tracks around the area? No, and it's and it's kind of it's kind of shocking where you know some of them are going to do it from the first day they're out there. And then, but there's more that go over there to the big track or race wherever, not necessarily Fargo, but just wherever. I got some kids, you know, that have raced here and then they race somewhere else, but it's more shocking the kids that you wouldn't think would do the next step. And then all of a sudden they're there, you know, so it's, but yeah, it's, but the, the thing that I like in watching them as a promoter sitting in the middle. And of course I always, joke with people i pull for the go-kart kids more than anybody but i don't make calls out there <laughs> i don't have i don't have no favoritism but when they do good i mean it's pretty cool because i know where they come from but i think they just race in a different way you know compared to somebody who doesn't have that go-kart experience i'm not saying they're any better but they just they just race a different way and it's and it's cool to see how, how much they've learned what they learned at the go-kart track and it carries over to the big car yeah, that's that's pretty much my exact sentiments too. I don't like to pull for anybody in particular, but but you're right. I mean, 
you can definitely tell on a kid or or even adult as it is starting to get now as long as the, these uh, kids have been going um, how they just progress and you can tell that they've got plenty of experience racing out at the cart club track so if you get obviously you get people that are going oh you race a, you they race go-karts over there that's cute I go over to Thunder Road a lot uh, what do you tell somebody when they think that the go-karts are going to be like that yeah, you get that all the time. And what's your, what's really funny is I'm very good friends with James Tandeski from Thunder Road, and so are you. Is I laugh all a go kart kid. So we pass we pass out cards to Thunder Road. You go out there and you you do a game, you get a game free. And I always get a kid every year. Well, that doesn't do me any good because they won't let me drive their go karts because I'm not tall enough. <laughs> but I can race here, you know. <laughs> right. I, like well. Uh, rules are rules, you know, but it's funny, you know, but yeah, the speed is not even, they're not even remotely close, you know, but, uh, and I don't know how many, how many uh, go-kart racers even go there and drive them, you know, but, but it's just kind of funny, but he's talking about, talking about the hype deal. He, I think he's getting some new ones again this year where the shorter kids can drive them, but. Yeah, go, oh. going back to the speed, though, I remember there was somebody that bought one of those carts, one of the used carts from uh, Thunder Road and brought it out to the track, and we had one of our our kids, Ashton Speaker, at the time, I think he was running like the one of the rookie classes, or one of the lower class. he was really young yet, and so one of the higher restricted motors, and he lapped like four times a lap he was going around that, wow. <laughs> that Thunder Road yep. cart. So... Uh, yeah. What what are the I don't I mean I've been to Thunder Road many times. What are this what are the speeds there if you know them and then the the speeds at Red River Kart Club or what would what is the difference, you know? Well, the the go-kart track is wicked fast and Corey can attest to that. It's when you get you get the right recipe for temperature and track and track temperature, it, it's pretty amazing the laps that those kids can do and it's like you know, I take the the blue and black slide class for example. You know, those kids that run a 15 lap feature, and, and and as a commentator or promoter watching, I think sometimes you hold your breath the whole 15 laps because <laughs> that's all that's all quick it goes. It's like watching the rolled outlaw sprint cars and they go green checkered almost, and it's like wow, those guys just did that. You know, and the way they you know, stick their nose in there and they back out of it, you know, or some kids push it a little bit too much and, and they go to the back, but the the speeds are just crazy. I mean, it's crazy fast. It's almost too fast, but I think it, it teaches them for the next step and the depth perception. And, uh, you know, and that's where I go back to the big track. It's like these kids will drive in so much deeper than anybody else or farther into the corner. And it's like, wow, what are they where do they, you know, you know where they get it from, but it's amazing to see it, to see the product when they're doing it. It's hmm. crazy to watch. I, I, I think uh, we usually like the, the, the lighter kids with the more unrestricted motors, they usually get right around nine and a half second laps around a, is that a 10th of a mile racetrack? Yeah, I think so. Something like that. So bas- basically, know, but, yeah, they're flying. Yeah. <laughs> wow. They're, yeah. They're but flying you think about practically. That, that they got two seconds to think about what they're doing in, in four and four aspects of that track, you know? Hmm. So hmm. things happen pretty quick and not, you know, knock on wood. We haven't, you know, we've had some wrecks, but nothing, you know, terrible. So sure. I know that I don't personally, you can hit real hard and going back to the breathing <laughs> part. I had to tell myself when I was racing, I had to remind myself to breathe because it, even when you're in the seat, 
you don't think you are. You, I mean, you, you get to a point where it's like it, where you're you you start hurting almost because wow. you're going so fast. The the G's that you you hit in the corners. I mean, it, your your body takes a pounding on those tracks. And yep. when I finally and supposedly there's a and supposedly there's a there's a study or there was something out there a few years ago and I can't find it, but a go kart weight to horsepower ratio is more than what a sprint car is, world like a world outlaw sprint car supposedly, but I can't find it. Hmm. I know, but per- I heard that. <laughs> I know personally that in my the class that I raced in the heaviest part was the driver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then back to the and then back to accidents. with talking about and that's what happens in a lot of the the wrecks is they get the wind knocked out of them, or their ankle bone hits something, or their elbow hits the motor or something. And that's the only thing the downfall was carding, you know. And that's the biggest shock is. You know, and that's where, you know, we, we throw the red just like anything else and stop the races and we got ambulance there and everything. So, you know, once you get them through, you know, that they're okay and yeah, your elbow hit the motor and then they realize, you know, it's not, their elbow's not broke or whatever, then, then most of the time, and Corey will attest to this, most of the time they put their helmet back on and they go right back into the race. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that's pretty cool, you know. That is cool. So we are speaking with Nick Skalicki. Nick, uh, back to Red River Valley Speedway. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of changes uh, over the years. What improvements, uh, if any, have there been uh, from last season to this coming up season? Well, the biggest thing is that building's gone in the middle. They yes. Got more view, more views and likes, and the, the world outlaw sprint cars coming. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty. That was. That was that was an undertaking. So what they're gonna do is uh, they're making the we removed the building from the middle. First they were gonna tear it down. Uh, we approached them uh, if we move it, can we have it? They said, yeah, go ahead and move it. So we got uh, Schmidt movers on board. Of course they were busy, so they kind of did it after hours or whatever for us. Uh, moved it to the back, so that's gone. We're gonna use it. Uh, basically for storage, Chad from All Finished Concrete, they're putting, they have their snowmobiles in it right now for testing and stuff like that. So the infield will be uh, probably half concrete. So the stage is going to get moved back to the south. So now they can get more people on the track and in the infield and then have, so basically he's going to have, he could have up to 20,000 people out there for concerts. So Wow. Holy uh, moly. So the electrical got moved uh, to the back. So it's basically wide open. Uh, our signage is all gone, but we're going to do signage on like portable stands. So we got to remove them during the fair because you got to keep in mind the whole middle is going to be wide open for them. But even when we put our signs back, it's not going to block anybody's view. So don't, you know, don't think that. It's not going to be it'll be similar to what we had before, except everything's got to be portable now. Okay. So, and then the other thing we did, since the weather was nice, is the backstretch wall, uh, a lot of people didn't see it, but the racers knew it. We didn't have a lot of concrete showing, so we took all the fence down in the back, we picked all the blocks up, put them up on the track, basically built a pad, and then put the blocks back. So now you got three feet of concrete blocks in the back now, so now it's uh, basically a safer product. We weren't we were fine with the way they were, but they kept sinking because they're so heavy, and then they started leaning towards the south. So, and then Mother Nature was just 
it was so nice this fall and it wasn't raining. So we're like, well, let's just do it. And hmm. got a couple people and I got a couple other things I'm working on, uh, that we want to improve, but I, we don't got to get the funding figured out and see, see if that's going to pan out, but sure. new speakers but the for the announcer. Then, yeah. <laughs> so then the, so the building is going to be the biggest thing. I mean, that's going to be the rave of the, once people actually get to physically see that now that it's gone. So, Cool. Yeah, and going back to that back stretch wall and catch fence and everything, we were having some uh, some moments out there where with with not having a lot of the wall there, cars would get into that fence and really get like there there were some pretty spectacular accidents because of that. So that's a big safety yeah, improvement it, more than anything. Oh, absolutely. And I and the and the scary thing is, and I sit in the middle, is you always get people standing up by the blocks or standing up by the fence. excuse me and that'll be the other thing we're going to fix next year is you can't you won't be you won't be able to stand there it's just it's more of a safety deal but you always get random people that will walk up there and a lot of tracks you know it just happens it's a it's a creature habit deal so we're going to kind of fix that and then we have uh, last year we implemented that's a tire change lane so that number one we can keep an eye on them and number two, they have a better lighting there so they can kind of see what they're doing. So with that tire change lane being there, now they know they really can't stand up there by the, by the blocks or whatever that we just did. So that'll that'll help too. They might have to put a sign up too or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, they don't read that. <laughs> I can put, confirm put, on that one. <laughs> put your hand in this tiger cage. It won't bite you. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, uh, Nick Skalicki is again, is our guest, uh, Red River Valley Speedway. Um, what, uh, what would you like to let, let the folks know something that we haven't asked you, uh, where can they learn more, um, that you, you laid out some of the, some of the schedule, there'll be obviously a release coming and, and, uh, everything where can people keep updated and, uh, anything else you'd like to say about the coming up season? Uh, you can go to our website, uh, redrivervalleyspeedway.com. Uh, every, you know, basically everything is on there. And then once we get going into the season, uh, and Corey knows this each week, the theme changes, you got, uh, different sponsors that he plugs and different sponsors that we promote from week to week. So just kind of keep an eye on or link to our Facebook is kind of our lifeline right now, uh, we don't overindulge you. We don't send you a lot of garbage. We just send you what you need to know. Uh, prior to, uh, if the weather's not cooperating, just keep an eye on that. We usually, we'll push things off till two, three, or we'll go into the race night if we think we can sneak it in. So that's kind of, you know, I just kind of push people to that to keep an eye on us. Uh, Schedule-wise, I would say, Probably by the end of February, we'll release that. We just don't, we want to make sure we're 100% set in stone per se, because as soon as you send one out, there's a bulk of people that live by that one. And it always comes back to haunt you if you change things. So that's why we're pretty reluctant to send them something out that we're not 100% you know, certain on, but the dates I, I gave you are, are set in stone. Uh, it's just a matter of plugging in a few themes here and there or what we're going to or specials and stuff. I'm work, still working on the hobby stock special for them guys. I started that last year. 
which I think three years ago, I'm just adamant that each class has to have their own thing. And I always felt bad for the hobby stocks that they never really had their show, you know, and I try to, you try to work with other tracks, but they got their own schedules and not everybody runs hobby stocks. So I'm just doing a, I got a couple sponsors lined up last year and we did an eight of Fargo and it, I don't know, Corey saw both races. It was, it's pretty stellar and I got some travelers that come that haven't raced here. So that was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, go back to the website. Uh, and then we do TV commercials and stuff like that each week and, and plug the sponsors with that. So no, it's been pretty good. It's just, uh, started getting hold of sponsors. Now I've started doing that here the last couple of weeks to get things lined up and, and then hopefully Mother Nature will cooperate here. This cold weather's got to go away for a while. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Fine with that. <laughs> so, Nick, uh, um, there's a couple more things uh, before we let you go here. Uh, what are your uh, ticket prices and uh, start times for uh, your regular race nights? Uh, ticket prices, I'm not sure what we're doing. We met like three weeks ago. I think they're going to go up just a little bit. I think right now they're at 13, uh, Dakota cat. You can buy them for 10 bucks. Uh, that's worked really awesome. They're right. They're pretty close to the racetrack. They're three, four blocks away. So Casey and his crew do well of job with that. Uh, and when you go in there, you can buy like when the season starts, they're not dated. So a lot of people will buy 10 tickets. We got 16 races. Of course, you're going to have some rainouts or whatever. So a lot of it, a lot of the tickets go right away, and then I just bring them, bring in new ones to, to suffice that. So that's been very helpful, and it's close to the track, so it's easy to stop in on your way out. Uh, and other than that, it's no, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good year again. Uh, I'm just, you know, hoping. I, I know the sprint car class will stay about the same. I'd, it'd be nice to pick up two, three more, but I think. Maybe with gas prices, if they can start going the other direction and come down, I think I could get some more travelers. And if, and if this this uh, race I'm doing in June, you know, those guys wanted to come last year even, but with gas and diesel high and then the tire shortage, you know, they weren't getting tires like they could or should have been getting. Now I think with them getting tires, I think I can get, you know, two or three more to come, and that would be that'd be pretty cool. It's always fun to see that, like Trevor Service. I mean, he's you see him when he comes here and he does a whale of a job, and there's hardly ever any wrecks in that class, so it's fun to watch. Yeah, Trevor Service, uh, like you said, he I've had the chance to see him. He races weekly out at uh, out at Houston Speedway, also too. So, I mean, we can you know gain that class likes to travel. I mean, that's one of the weird things about sprint car drivers is they don't care how far of a drive it is. Sometimes they'll go uh, if their class is racing. Um, so there's a chance that we could possibly pick up a lot of drivers from like the Houston area, the southern Minnesota, Iowa area kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, and, that, and the and the thing like he said, and I you know I talk to him periodically, and, and the thing is that he loves most about Fargo. He said we get done by ten o'clock, sometimes even before that, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm packed up and I'm back on the road. He said we're not sitting here till eleven, twelve o'clock at night, you know. So that's I mean that's what, and he knows what he's going to get when he comes here, other than. You know, if if the R word comes, the rain word. So. <laughs> it's okay right now to say rain because we got a few weeks before racing season starts. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, no, it'll be uh it's gonna be a pretty pretty cool deal. I mean a lot of people that building that'll be the talk of the town for a month, I suppose, once we get going. So <laughs> that's cool. Well, Nick Skalicki, thank you for joining us here today on Checkers and Records Victory Lap. Uh, uh and uh hopefully the season goes off real well. Okay, thanks for the time. All right, thank you. All right, that was Nick Skalicki, Red River Valley Speedway. Again, uh, you can go check out all of that info at their Facebook page or their website. And now it is time for spoilers, breakdowns, and setup sheets. And this week it will be a spoiler. Uh, and uh, we haven't gone to fisticuffs yet. Uh, but this might we, do it. But we may. Uh, Corey, take it away. Um, the movie that we're going to do here uh, for spoilers is At Any Price 2012. Is when it came out. It's on. I found it on DVD. Uh, it's an hour and forty-five minutes, and it is rated R. So this is already starting off with a very juicy thing. <laughs> uh, it stars Dennis Quaid, Zac Efron, Kim Dickens, uh, Heather Graham, uh, Makeem Moore, Monroe. Excuse me. I, I don't know how to say her name. Uh, Clancy Brown is in there as well. Harvey her Henry Whipple, not Harvey Whipple. Um, Henry Whipple, uh, who is played by Dennis Quaid, is a shady farmer, horrible husband, and he's not a great dad either. Um, he gets into a turf war with a prison guard from Shawshank Redemption, that's Clancy Brown, mm-hmm. uh, who he blames for getting him investigated for illegally selling uh, il- or selling illegally cleaned seed uh, yep. to his customers. Um, he is also uh, cheating on his wife with Heather Graham's character. Yep. Um, this is a recurring theme throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh Dean Whipple, who is played by Efron, doesn't want to be a farmer. He's that typical rebellious teenage kid who's actually 20 in the movie, but uh, he wants to be a race car driver instead. So he races in Iowa's booming figure eight racing scene, which is at Sy- shot at Sycamore Speedway, not actually in Iowa. Mm-hmm. I, 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 in fact, uh, I consulted with my friend, uh, good friend Chad Meyer, who is an announcer from from Iowa, and I asked where do they have figure eight races in <laughs> Iowa? And he said, I think I know of two tracks. And Iowa, they have a track in every other town. Sure. <laughs> so maybe one or two figure eight racetracks in Iowa. <laughs> this makes sense. Um, he takes the next logical step and moves up to Arca, which is ra- racing at the Iowa Speedway, played by Iowa Speedway. Okay. Um, Actually, I think there are some scenes shot someplace else in that too. <laughs> Looking at some of the some of the shots where it's like, wow, there's a lot of banking there. Wow, there's no banking in that same exact corner. I think I think there might have been. Uh, like, I don't know much about Iowa Speedway. I watched a couple of races there. It seems a lot more sweeping than it is high banked. Okay. Um, at least to me, but it it looked like some of the scenes were shot at like Rockingham. Um, looking at some of the stuff because the track looked really worn out and uh-huh. really high banked like Rockingham does. Uh, but he he blows his try out. He goes into an oppression, cheats on his girlfriend with Heather Graham's character, uh, crashes his race car into a tree, murders the son of a of the real rat getting his father investigated, who is played by Eddie Harris, uh, the old pitcher on Major League. <laughs> the guy with all the... Yeah. The, yeah, the, the, <laughs> yeah, the guy that threw spitballs and stuff. Yep. Um, what was it? yeah, uh, a little bit of Crisco on his shoulder, um, and he eventually turns into Ted Bundy. If you look at, I was I did a lot of this through. I got a lot of my notes and stuff 
by reading the Wikipedia stuff. So I was on Zach Efron's page, and Sh- sure, he does eventually play Ted Bundy in real life. Oh, in another that, in another I, movie. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, you are embellishing the facts here, my man. But I, now I get what I'm you're bouncing saying. around. What can I say? <laughs> um, this this movie was the last movie that Roger Ebert gave a four out of four. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think this tarnishes his legacy. <laughs> That's wrong. I, I think it does. Um, 2012 uh, was supposed to be the year that the world was going to end, and honestly, it couldn't even stop this movie from being made. Um, I, in my opinion, this movie stinks. <laughs> it starts with a fight at a funeral, and it really doesn't get better from characters after that. They don't do anything better after that. Well, okay, so um, it's not a racing movie. No, first it, of all, it, they really, really oversold the fact that this is about racing. Yeah, it's it's not a racing movie. And I, you know, I went into it uh, without reading any review. I like to watch movies, documentaries, things like that, without knowing anything about them, so that it nothing is nothing is swayed, nothing is spoiled for me, nothing like that. You so don't, you don't get your expectations up right away. Well, and and I don't uh, I don't have an opinion on it. And so uh, uh, you gave me the DVD, which I will give back if you want it back. At otherwise, your pace. I'll keep it. Otherwise, I'll, <laughs> I'll throw it in my collection. I liked it a lot, and the reason I liked it a lot, um, like I said, it wasn't uh, it it wasn't about racing. It certainly wasn't a perfect movie. Uh, I don't know if I'd have given it a four out of four. I thought it was really good, and I thought that the theme of the movie was more. Um, a man getting himself in deep, and then rather than uh, rather than doing the right thing and and turning things around, he continued to figure out how to dig himself deeper. Yeah, and and, and he did, and it just spiraled into uh, into uh, depravity <laughs> on uh, on on Henry Henry Whipple. He, the the Heather Graham piece that you talked about him cheating and and all that stuff. That is one part of the movie that I had a problem with uh, because she was of the, shoehorned into that movie. It it brought nothing to the show. No. Other other than to continue to point out that that Henry is a dirt ball. Right, uh, it, but at this point, it's like, could we have done something else? More uh, racing, yeah, more racing footage. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so that part of the movie, I, you know, I was like, well, why is she here? I thought maybe eventually something would would pop up with her, uh, but it never, it never really did. Um, two, but, of the, two of the three female characters in that movie just all of a sudden they're like, all right, I'm out of here. Yeah, <laughs> see ya. The girlfriend uh, and the and Heather Graham yeah. gone, gone instantly. Well, the the girlfriend, that's understandable. Uh, based on on how things played out with uh, what was his name Dean yeah uh, the son um, but um, you know I, I I thought it was a, sort of a, a good a good uh, a, uh, I, I can't think of the word I'm looking for but just a, a, a good movie that um, on the subject of uh, people who are it, well, he was selfish. He was just a, yes. a, a selfish jerk, and um, you know, you you brought it up. Terrible husband, terrible dad, uh, terrible, uh, uh, just terrible person in general with his business dealings and all that kind of stuff. No it, redeeming qualities. No redeeming qualities, and um, he, I don't think, you know, I think later in the movie he he kind of figured it out, but the movie. <laughs> The movie, uh, you know, sometimes you hope for that sort of redeeming thing or that 
that uh, moment at the end of the movie where, okay, he got it now. He realizes what uh, what kind of life he's been living and how terrible of a person he's been, a, a dad, all that kind of thing, uh, and he doesn't. I, th- I think he kind of gets it. There's one scene towards the end when all of a sudden Zach Efron's character turns into like he's like I'm now a, I am now a, a farmer, like he he's given up and all he's he's gone into full mode where I and I'm, I'm trying to really remember this from from when this happened, but it's right at the end uh-huh. and you see a look on Dennis Quaid's face where he's like What have I unleashed on this whole world now? Well, right. Well, and and that's well, maybe maybe uh, maybe you have something there, but it is sort of that uh, just uh, continued downward depraved spiral, and uh, <laughs> and you know, it, and it's not far off from uh, from what happens in real life. You see this a lot, uh, you know. In in um, read the news, yeah. you know, I, I you see it all the time, and you wonder how did somebody get to this point. And if you watch this movie, it's actually a good commentary on that. Maybe that's the word I was looking for earlier. Uh, racing movie, it sucked. Yes, <laughs> uh, I, but uh, I I thought it, I I enjoyed it. I liked it. And uh, um, the only sort of uh, preconceived notions I had on it was you handing me the DVD and saying good luck. <laughs> uh, I forced you to watch this one. I, not at gunpoint, but because I don't have any guns. Uh, I might have Nerf guns. Nerf gunpoint, I made you watch it. <laughs> so, I, I I liked it. The racing aspect, it, it, was it a perfect movie? Absolutely not. But I, I enjoyed it. I liked there, it. There was one scene, though, where, where uh, Dean Whipple shoves that one guy off the track and makes him makes the car that guy's car roll over is his his dad's rival yeah. in, the, in the turf war. Yep. And it, it the one cool thing from that one is it did like the Buddy Joe Hooker and styled rollover stunt, <laughs> which is uh which is pretty awesome. <laughs> That's probably the one thing I really like from racing <laughs> racing footage in there. Yeah. The, you know <laughs> the the racing question that I take out of it, um I didn't think that uh uh Figure eight racing was actually a thing, but you're you're saying it is. It does happen. Um, it's not as not as you know. It's more of still of a novelty version of racing around the area. Around anything I've seen, I, I don't know where the nearest figure eight racetrack is. Uh, Jamestown Speedway is set up like it could be one, uh-huh. but they haven't done it in decades. It's uh, dangerous. It's very dangerous. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's in <laughs> Wreckfest. That's one of the things that you got to do is win a lot of figure eight races or their versions of it. Sure. Um, I know there's a raceway park that used to be uh, in Shakopee that had figure eight racing every week. Uh-huh. Um, I want to say um, Elko Speedway is probably one of the closest figure eight tracks. Okay. That actually still runs at least something. Um, I've heard of figure eight bus racing, <laughs> which... <laughs> That terrifies Man. me to even think about. Yeah, um, <laughs> those sure. aren't purpose built to wreck. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, other than that, I mean, and like like I said, my, my Chad Meyer said, I think I know one or two figure eight racetracks, mm-hmm. and they're nowhere near Decatur, Iowa, where <laughs> they were portraying this from uh, from happening. Here. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, w- watch it for yourself. Uh, see what you think, and uh, and let us know. I, I do say go watch it anyways, and for the flag rating system that I have, I give it the layover flag, the blue and yellow one that okay. says, "This it says you exist, but something better is behind you and about to get get a, <laughs> get by you." So yeah, <laughs> all right. So where would a green flag? Where would a green flag come in? A green flag? That's if it's a really awesome movie. Oh, okay. I, I would, well, we don't want that. Yeah. Um, yeah. We can't give it that. No, no. 
Um, but you know, back to Roger Ebert, uh, <laughs> he, uh, I don't, I, I, you know, a lot of times critics, uh, food, food critics, uh, movie critics, all that kind of stuff. There will be a lot of movies that uh, they rave about, and I've seen, and I'm like, I don't get it at all. And there's <laughs> other ones that have gotten bad reviews that I'm like, that was really good. Um, and Roger Ebert is one of those guys because um, one of my favorite movies of all time is The Usual Suspects, and he he ran that movie into the ground. Um, and I I thought it was a fantastic movie. Yeah, there are a lot of terrific movies he hated. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I remember that. So. So this one, yeah, whatever the flag is that I would say, hey, go watch it, see what you think. I enjoyed it. Uh, where, what, what flag would that be? Um, well, I mean, we can use every. We should have probably came up with a designation on all the flags. Um, <laughs> I've only given <laughs> given reviews on movies I've really liked so yeah, far. This is still in its infancy. Yeah. We can work this out. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's not the gra- not the greatest. Caution uh, flag? Well, green flag, I would say green flag, because okay. checker flag is uh, is the best. Is the winner, we'll winner, checker, chicken dinner. Yeah, okay. you're the winner if you get the checker flag. Okay. Green flag, go watch it. That's what I give it. Yeah. All yeah. right, cool. I give it the layover flag. All right. Again, it <laughs> go watch it. It deserves to exist, but uh, yeah, something better is <laughs> just around the corner and, and closing in fast. All right, that sounds good. So there is uh, your spoiler for the week. Uh, we got some... Uh, uh, a uh, schedule that came out uh, recently, right? Yes, uh, the Dirt Race Central. Wow, I can spell that one good on there. Uh, the Dirt Race Central Street Stock Tour. Uh, it just released their schedule the other day. On uh, it's the 2023 Dirt Race Central Street Stock Tour, uh, previously known as the Steffes Street Stock Tour. Saturday, May 27th, uh, Sunday, May 28th, kicks off the uh, tour this year with the Vikings at the Viking Speedway in Alexandria, Minnesota. Friday, June 2nd. Saturday, June 3rd, that'll be the I-94 EMR Speedway in Fergus Falls. Uh, Sunday, June 4th, right after that goes, right after uh, EMR, I-94 EMR Speedway, they go up to the Buffalo River Speedway in Glendon. Uh, Thursday, June 8th, uh, will be uh, the Cheyenne Speedway in Lisbon. Friday, June 9th, will be Brown County Speedway in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Saturday, June 10th, will be the Jamestown Speedway. Thursday, June 29th, Cheyenne Speedway in Lisbon. Friday, June 30th, Saturday, July 1st, I-90, they're back at the I-94 EMR Speedway in Fergus Falls. Friday, June 7th, or July 7th, excuse me, will be uh, River City Speedway in Grand Forks. Uh, then uh, Saturday, July 8th, will be Greenbush Race Park in Greenbush, Minnesota. Uh, Friday, July 14th, Saturday, July 15th, will be the Brown County Speedway in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Uh, Thursday, July twentieth, they make the make one stop down at this is the southern swing for them. It'll be the Yellow Medicine County Speedway in Canby, Minnesota. It's the only track on uh, this this whole schedule I have not been to yet. Hmm. So uh, that's an interesting one out there. If, if if it if it opens up for me, I might go down there and check it out. Uh, Friday, July twenty first, be the Fiesta City Speedway in Montevideo, Minnesota. Saturday, July twenty second, Madison Speedway in Madison, Minnesota, the Ludafis capital of the world. Um, then, uh, Sunday, July 23rd, Casino Speedway in Watertown, South Dakota. Friday, July 28th, it'll be the Red Cedar Speedway in Menominee, Wisconsin. I take it back. That's, there's two racetracks on this one I haven't been to. I haven't been to Red Cedar yet. Okay. Then, uh, Saturday, July 29th, Ogilvy Raceway, Ogilvy, Minnesota. And then they cap it off with a uh, trip to the Granite City Motor Park in Sock Rapids, Minnesota, Sunday, July 30th. All right, there you go. 2023 Dirt Race Central Streetcar Street Stock Tour. 
Um, and so what's happening? We got local, national, uh, uh, what, what's going on out there? Well, uh, locally this weekend, we have, uh, Sunday, February 5th, the Underwood area lions ice racing on Bass Lake in Underwood, Minnesota at 1230. Then, uh, nationally Sunday, February 5th, the NASCAR clash at the Coliseum 7 PM on Fox. It should be interesting here. Once again, it should be. Do they have ice cube? For the halftime show again? Oh, I forget who they had. I right off the top of my head, I can't remember it. I wish they had Ice Cube. He did awesome. Yeah. Uh, I was hoping they'd bring like, bring in like Dre or something like sure, that. Sure. I mean, <laughs> it's too bad. <laughs> I, I I forget who it is. It's someone a little bit more current, okay. if I remember correctly. Sure. Uh, and so, speaking of NASCAR, we brought this up very briefly earlier. Uh, Ross Chastain, the the hail melon move that he pulled <laughs> off at Martinsville last season uh, to advance in the playoffs has been banned. And to that, I say, Boo! yeah, agreed, agreed. We can agree on this. Yeah. We can, we can end the show on a, on an agreeable <laughs> an note. Um, is it, uh, I don't know. I, you know, I can see both sides of it, but it was, man, it was good TV. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, it still is great. Uh, it's still the most viewed video in NASCAR for I don't know since YouTube came out. <laughs> it is one of the highest rated NASCAR NASCAR videos, and the, one of the most watched things ever. Yeah. Um. I, and I do kind of agree with it. I will say also I do kind of agree with it because I remember hearing I can't remember who said it, but they made mention of so the next time we come out here, how many people are going to do it? Yeah. Like, yep. Do we really need to see 20 people try to do that in the last lap? Sure. And, you know, I will be honest with my bias here. Had it been, um, uh, you know, maybe Kyle Busch doing it or, uh, <laughs> you know, Jimmy Johnson that made it up back in the day, I'd hate it. <laughs> uh, but being it was Ross Chastain, uh, I thought it was pretty sweet. Yeah, that's your boy right there. It is, yep. If it have been Ryan Blaney, I would have loved it even more. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it's unfortunate, but, yeah, it has to happen because who's sure. to say that uh, the last lap, all of a sudden, there's 20 cars piled into the wall. <laughs> all up on the It'd wall. It would be hilarious. <laughs> it would but, be. But, yeah, I mean, you know, every one of them now thinks that any one of those drivers that hated that wanted to do it. Yeah. You know, they're oh, yeah. like, oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, or <laughs> oh, I wanted to but never had the guts. Yeah. Right. I, I guess I do like the fact that uh, Ross will be the only person to have ever done it, uh, on purpose anyway. Yeah, and it so. preserves it in history forever. It does. It does. So what's going on next week? We're going to be back. What do you got uh, What do you got planned? Well, uh, I, I got somebody that committed to this one who is a really awesome person. He's a personal friend of mine. Uh, he is the legend, luscious Larry McFall. The announced at the Nodak Speedway in Minot, Williston Basin Speedway, and the Estevan Motor Speedway. He's a Hall of Famer at the Nodak Speedway Hall of Fame. He was a former ten- tennis standout in college, in high school and college, a former hockey goalie. His nickname was Stonewall wow. McFall. Uh, former um, Minot Mallards general manager. That's a baseball team that was in Minot. Uh, a former pro wrestling announcer. Sheesh. Uh, and a 16-time consecutive rock-throwing champion. This guy has done everything. He's, you know, and I think I undersold it, to be wow. honest with you. Uh, there's wow. there's a lot to this guy. Uh, he's, a, he's a good guy. One of the one of the great characters in all of racing. So I'm uh, happy to have him on next week. Wow, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. And along with that, we'll have local and national results going on throughout everything we've already covered so far that we previewed before. All right, that does it. Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap. You can find us at kfgo.com or anywhere you listen to your podcast. So until next time, for Corey Litton, I'm Ryan Janke. We'll see ya.